Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late to drink the Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. It's Employee of the Month with Katie Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. If it's your first time uh, tuning in, if you're a virgin to the show, Employee of the Month is all about careers. And it was such a delight to sit down uh, with the one and only John Hamm, who you may know from Mad Men or Bridesmaids or your dreams. Um, This episode was recorded live at Joe's Pub. I also want to thank Christopher Johnson for um, sharing the adult swim clip, which he wrote and um, learned so much, learned so much in this episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. You may have seen him in The Division on Lifetime. Um, That's it, I think. That's all I I've think heard that's of. all he needs for an intro. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, we're hoping that he's going to make a name for himself, and um, I think he has trouble getting recognized. Yeah. Um, but hopefully tonight will be his big break. So, without further ado, let's welcome the one and only, the talented, hilarious, and wonderful Mr. John Hamm. You can't touch this! You can't touch this! You can't touch this! You can't touch this! John Hamm time! Get it? Because, like, his name is like uh, Hammer. Hammer. Yeah, right. Man, I wish I didn't have a cup of coffee in my hand because I could have really busted a move. That's what was keeping you between making fun of a ho- one more, yet another horrible ham joke. A ham pun. Never heard it before. Um, yes, I have. I, I know. I figured. There, there's only so many. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so many, but it's a big number. Um, John. Yes. I, I um, wanted to ask you, how did you the... have good mic technique? Really? That is a strong. Thank that's you. A tip of the fingers. Where were you in? I'm going in my... a little more down on the on the bass. Where, where were you in? My... I can I don't think I can. Oh. You're like, you're like. That's like a like a. You played recorder when you were young. I did play recorder. Yes. <laughs> I did. I'm glad you could tell. I'm pretty good at Baba Black Sheep. Did it just go to a weird dick joke place? A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Yes, you Went did. From hand but I was, to dicks I was real listening quick. and wow. I was open to learning. <laughs> all right. As we all So downtown. <laughs> Literally. Um how did being in... <laughs> now I cannot, like, hold this mic. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wee! How did, how, did, how did being in The Assassins and Cabaret prepare you um, for this first TV role? Oh, well... Um, I want to show you the TV role that oh, I was talking oh about. This is Assassins and Cabaret. No, that is, no. Uh, that is Cabaret and that is Joe Turner's Come and Go. I apologize. Thank you very much. Um, I, I should uh, have known that since it's Assassin's is Sondheim. 
I don't think it would have had. Um, yes, no. Uh, how, how did they prepare me for which role? Um, well, we'll show you. Let's, let's play oh, um, God. this TV role. What are you looking for? What's the kind uh, of yeah. I'm a sexy, hot man yeah. who's honest. Ah, I don't want to play games. So I'm getting nice. too old for that. Are you? Yes. <laughs> and I need someone who knows how to give a good foot massage. Oh. That's a, you like That's to my rock Yes, I love the feet thing. I have a foot fetish. You have a foot fetish. Yes. Well, I'm happy to tell you that all three of the guys we have have feet. Ooh. Let's start with Mark. Mark, you're on a first date. You're lucky enough to date a lady like Mary. How do you make her feel special? Well, I'm going to take her out, treat her like a lady. And, uh, but I am a stuntman, so I'll have to take her home later and show her my flexibility. Oh. I don't know if you guys get that. He's talking about fucking. I think he's a kinky little devil. Yeah. How about you, John? Yeah. You're on a first date, marries the girl, you want to really impress her. How do you make her feel? It special? turns out you can touch well, this. Start off with some fabulous food, a little fabulous conversation. What else fabulous, John? End it. <laughs> With a fabulous foot massage for an evening of total fabulosity. <laughs> ah, very good, John. All right, Mary. So, is Matthew McConaughey wrote that for me. <laughs> and uh, I owe him to this day. This is pre-Tinder. Yeah, <laughs> that's pre-everything. The interesting thing about, and here's what uh, is interesting because in those two plays I did at the University of Missouri in Columbia, Missouri. Wow. Thanks. We don't just have people from Staten Island here. <laughs> we have people from Missouri. Um, my girlfriend at the time, when I was going to college there, was the casting associate on that show. And she was ready so to So when I moved go. out to L.A., she was like, you should be on this. And I was like, no, I shouldn't at all. And they're like, but it's $200, and they'll tell you what to say. And I was like, well, $200, and they'll tell you what to say? <laughs> Sounds pretty great. And so I made $200 that day. I have, I have a ton of friends who go on game shows regularly to make money or get furniture. I had auditioned for auditioned? Tried out yeah. for Jeopardy and failed. So that's where we were. That's what we're looking at there. Is this post um, Chuck Woolery and the date? You know, two and no, two. We'll no, be back I don't think two so. And two. That was uh, that was that was in the eighties. This was in the that was like ninety four, ninety five, right when I got to L A. So, okay. Yeah, I was all of 23, 20, 25, I don't know, something like that. And how did you get the division? Was supposed to be a, about all female cops, as I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> Is he female there? That's amazing. <laughs> Myself and Taraji P. Henson on the, uh, on the upper left. Amy Jo Johnson, the pink Power Ranger. Academy Award winning Bonnie Bedelia for Heart Like a Wheel. Lisa Vidal, a lovely, lovely lady. And um, Nancy McKeon, who is the nicest human being on the planet. Yeah. That's what happens when you don't have a lot of roles. I get, I get introduced as the nice person, too. Um, yeah. I mean, she was... And Peggy. She was Joe Palnicek. There you go. Um, no, it, that, was my, that was like my first job. And so, yeah, it was very odd to be the man on a lady detective show. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what I brought to the role that was so... Uh, fitting, but it was, it was great. I mean, it was, um, 
it was a it was a sort of a crash course in working a lot because yeah. uh, that was in the good old days of of cable television where we did 22 episodes uh, a season and I did three seasons of it so it was a lot and it you know it was it was fun it was great yeah. it was a good thing to have a job it was the first time I kind of had had one for any extended period of time and uh, <laughs> like having paychecks was a whole interesting new reality. So. I feel like it's the close. I mean, for in our in entertainment, you the idea of having a steady paycheck ever is, is bizarre. I, yeah. It was just I didn't know really know how to manage it, but it was, yeah. and it was it was it was uh, on Lifetime, and I I didn't get cable. I don't even think, but I was like I don't. No one watched it. I it's couldn't. Okay. I mean, I could. I don't, I don't mean you. I don't I think mean, I could I afford mean, cable. Like that yeah. was the whole thing. It was just like, oh, I hope someone's watching it somewhere. People have cable, right? And I guess they did. Um, we have. No, I shouldn't say that. There are there were a lot of Lifetime. Are there a lot of people who watch Lifetime? <laughs> <laughs> it's totally. You're fine. in a safe safe place. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we have a clip of it. Would you like to sure. see it? <laughs> it's not in Spanish. I thought that'd be fun, though, if it was. In Spanish, the title was La División. <laughs> let's, let's do your lines. There he is. Hey. 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 Boom, shadow. Oh, you think those are still legal? You call come in on that? No, it came from the phone booth across the street. The a neighbor reported shots fired. Somebody was looking for something here. Yeah, full office strip search. Oh, my God, I feel like we stepped into a time warp. Who should be in black and white? Is this the private dick? Used to be. That's the father. It's a family business. These days, not exactly Philip Marlowe. Most of the cases I looked at were low rent, divorces, and insurance scams. Not Noah Falcon statues? Indeed. Robbery? Probably not. So There's camera funny. equipment here worth at least a couple of grand. It's, it's pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a cold <laughs> open, it kind of goes on Did a you while. know that there are more private investigators in San Francisco than there are in any other part of the world? I don't believe it. No, it's are true. I read it in the thing we no, got in. Not that. This. Are there more Uh-oh. Secret door, secret door. What's behind the secret door? Holy shit. A phonograph. And an Asian. Yeah. The DVD commentary really helps. I wonder if you get that version. That's hot. Is it true that there are more private detectives in San Francisco than anywhere else? I'm sure somebody looked that up, and I'm sure that they found that to be true. Okay. I don't know. Um, I heard in an interview once something that I thought was very thoughtful that you said about, um, you know, learning to have to sell yourself when you're from the Midwest and have humility. And I feel like, you know, what makes you a good person doesn't necessarily make you successful. And I wanted to know how to how does one make that or do you remember yeah i mean i i do actually remember having it was a conversation that i had with um an agent that was not my agent um that was a very uh, uh sort of a big time agent and i was in, found myself in a meeting with them and i was like this is 
I probably shouldn't be here. Uh, I'm not famous enough. And she was like, okay, f what's your deal? And I was like, sorry? She goes, what's your deal? I said, I don't know. And she goes, well, you kind of need to fix that, right? I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not understanding any of this conversation. And she's like, you basically need to like be, be a little more uh, self-aggrandizing to break through in this business. And you can't just be like, oh no, it's, you, you, should, you should get the part and you should take the thing. Let me get out of the way for I'll get guys. out of the way and I'll just be nice and do you need help with your bags? And thank you, ma'am. And uh, Because I was, uh, I was and am still sort of very Midwestern and polite in my, in my just day-to-day. -day. You have a, a moral compass. I didn't say that. Okay. I just said, I just said I was very polite <laughs> and Midwestern. Yeah. There's some fucked up shit that goes on in the Midwest. Yes, that's true. Um, we just have to be very polite about it. Yes. We'll hold the door open right. and then murder you. <laughs> um, While you vote Trump in in Ohio, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so it, it was. It was like a weird. Uh, I mean, it's so strange. Titus touched on it a little bit, uh, but just the idea of going from kind of whatever your experience was in college or, or, or educationally. And, and, and mine was great. Like, I got to do yeah. a lot of fun plays, and I got a scholarship to study acting, and, and, and it was uh, exciting and thrilling. But it was, it's also like once you get into the real world, it's, it's, all bets are off. And no yeah. one teaches you any of that stuff. No. I, I, needed like, I needed a course on, like, sewing and, like, basic economics. All, yeah, all of that like sort of managing your day, like yeah. all, and this is kind of like not talked about, and 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 even the the kind of weird, the first time you go on any audition and you look up and you're like, oh, there's thirty people that look just like just. Me. Although in L. A. It it's like hundreds, like yeah. it's sort of fascinating. and it's just terrifying yeah. and and disheartening. Although and to women, else. it's kind of exciting to know that there's so many men who look like you out there. <laughs> and men, I didn't mean to discriminate. Let me, let me rephrase that. They look like me in the 90s. <laughs> you like, and Keanu. Like that. <laughs> um, but in, in what, what were the, the sort of, I don't want to say changes you made, but things that you would do conscientiously or more conscientiously? I, you in? know, I don't know if I could point to anything yeah. and say that I, I did anything differently. It was just, mostly it was just kind of understanding that it was about being a little bit more self-possessed. Yeah. Uh, and kind of believing and being okay with that. Like being like okay that like, okay, maybe I do have something to offer that none of these other 29 guys do. And, and hopefully, anyway. And then, and then trying to kind of be creative enough in the room that you make Tina Fey laugh. And then all right. of a sudden, everything's great. And then you're selling your own wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so when I saw Death of a Salesman, it was one of the first times I really understood. Thank you. <laughs> With I, Brian Dennehy. Um, it was one of the first times I understood male psychology. And I just like, I wept. It's not that I had, didn't have any window into it before. It was just a massive door into it. And I feel like Mad Men was also a similar experience of, of this window into male psychology, meaning like the archetype of it, but also like empathy for things that are projected onto men. And I just wanted to know for you, like what were those... Are there things that you looked at that give you that insight in addition to your own experience? Um, sure. I mean, I, th I think it's, it's, well, especially sort of just, just this kind of cult of masculinity, especially how it exists now. And, and it's like everything in our culture is sort of exploded and, and sort of, uh, you know, nothing can just be good anymore. It has to be amazing or it has to be 
disgusting or whatever, right. like because it right. has to break <laughs> through the noise of our. Uh, uh, sorry, I got bad mic technique. My bad. Because uh, it has to break through the noise of of the of the kind of buzz of the culture. So you have to like, for whatever reason, you have to kind of make it. Uh, extreme enough to be clicked on or, or tried or whatever. So I think that like now we have this kind of weird, maybe Trump is the example of it, but this kind of hyper-masculine thing that... We prefer you as the example of it. Um, well, um, so yeah, but I, I do think that, that Mad Men had some of that, and, and it's in the first episode, it's in the pilot of, of the episode yeah. that Rachel Menken's character says to Don, like, I didn't really think about it, but it must be hard to be a man too, and it's like... And it takes Don, uh, takes him aback. I mean, it, he yeah. really is like, oh, whoa, uh, that's in a weird way. You've crystallized this thing that he's clearly been struggling with, and how it's hard. Like, you know, what makes it hard? Um, was this the first role that you felt had depth on TV for you, or were there ones before this that gave you a chance? To I mean, the guy I played, um, I played uh, the neighbor on the Hughleys. Um, <laughs> It was it was weird because talk about struggles with masculinity. Like he lived next door to DL and his wife, and I mean he had a, he had a big garage. I think we know what that means. And uh, and so like all the guys in the neighborhood would store all their like fun guy stuff in yeah. my garage and be like, I got a jet ski, but my wife can't see it because wives be wifing. And so they would come to my house and like do that. So, uh, so yeah, that was probably the first super deep role that I was able to really sink my teeth into in a way. And it informed a lot of like what Don Draper was. Yeah. D.L. Hewley did. He's got great teeth. Um, you know, I, obviously like um, getting the opportunity to be in something that, that Mad Men became, even. And, 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 I, and I don't think anybody, at least I certainly didn't think it would become what it became when we, when we shot the pilot in, in New York in 2006. We just thought, oh, this is going to be a, a fun thing that we all really like, but it's on a network that literally no one has heard yes. of, and then the people who have heard of it think it's A&E. So... Uh, <laughs> we're fucked like there no one's gonna see this and it's not in a streaming world or anything so you can't like find it no one had on demand or any DVRs or anything it was just literally like well you see it you see it and if not you don't Um, so we thought this will be a fun experiment to do for you know 10 days in in the spring of 2006 and um, it's too bad no one will see it but we're we're gonna have a great time and then it just kind of it, it coincided with the the rise and the explosion of kind of the recap culture and the blog culture right. and all of this stuff where people really started to say like I like this thing and I'm gonna write three thousand words on it yep, and recaps. everyone can somehow find it. Um, it's really easy to talk about actors with big egos and that you know is talked about all the time. Thank but, you. But <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about navigating the politics of you know working with a director who is brilliant. Um, but also knows it. Um, so I wanted to know, you know, what was your relationship with um, Matt Weiner like? Um, Matt, you know, Matt didn't direct a lot of the a lot of the yeah. shows, uh, but Matt did write a lot, almost every every word. And I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to take take anything away from the other writers on the show, all of whom contributed significantly. Um, and I and I really got to see a lot about that process when I 
started directing in season five because most of the actors really don't get to sniff the writer's room. It's if you go in there, you, they hide everything because they don't want you to see anything. Yeah. And, and uh, you go in and, and you get like a soda or something and you're like, I'm sorry, I'll let you guys go. Jesus, okay, fine. Um, Even when you're directing? But when I was directing, I got to actually sit in there at the table after read through, go through note sessions, go through meetings and go through things like that. And you really realize, um, you know, who does what and, and how the breakdown of, of all of the uh, sort of uh, how much the sort of division of labor really, really exists. And, and uh, you know, Matt's fingerprints are, are all over the show in the best way. Um, he's a wildly, wildly intelligent guy uh, obviously insanely talented um, and, and also just possesses this thing that I think everyone that really, really cares about um, about a show has, which is just like, it's never good enough. Like they will always, yes. they will always fight to make it one iota better. Um, Did whatever you guys it fight? Is. Yeah, a lot. What were um, the types of things that you felt you would fight about? Sports, <laughs> guy stuff. You know, he wanted. He kept wanting to store his jet ski in my garage, and I was like, "You can't use that. That's D.L. Hughley's storyline." Um, you know, we we wouldn't, we we wouldn't, we would more. Our fights weren't. Um, were more specific to kind of the 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 actual production element of the show, in in sense of like, when I was working and I worked pretty much every day on. You know, um, per episode, I would if we shot it in eight days, I would almost always work seven or eight of those days. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a lot of work, and you've got a lot of stuff to memorize and where to be and how to do it and all this stuff. So so we would kind of fight about little, you know, things about how to and how to walk in a room, and I'd be like, I think I got it. And he's like, No, 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 you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not. I'm not walking in the room wrong. I got this. Yeah. I've been walking in rooms for some time now. <laughs> um, but the but but it was you know it was kind of representative of just that honestly that that friction that produces uh, heat and it was great um, and and Matt and I would talk at length about uh, character and story um, at the beginning of the season and then we would we would check in pretty regularly through the throughout the season uh, and he was just he's a, he was a wonderful uh, uh, guy to 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 talk about that stuff with because again he's he's smart and he cares and that's kind of the person you want uh running your show and yeah you're gonna bump in bump heads every now and again but that's that's part of it too did you feel claustrophobic towards the end are you relieved to be finished um some version of that yeah uh it was very weird for me to end the last four or five episodes of the show because don in the storyline yeah. left and so all of my work those last four or five episodes bar a few phone calls was with other people who I had never met. Some of them naked. Um, sure. Maybe just one of them. Um, Brett Gelman. <laughs> Here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Brett Gelman. Um, In clothing. Uh, he is clothed tonight. Um, but ask him to take his clothes off. He will. He will. Um, Maybe later. But yeah, I mean, I, I, knew, I knew and do know Brett, but, um, but most of the people I didn't know. And so it was, it was very... I don't know if it was on purpose, but it was very much uh, representative of kind of that feeling of being Leaving lost the womb. Oh, and alone and looking for something. Um, 
so it worked. Um, but it was it was very strange, and it was it was it was obviously the sense of completion upon being finished with ten years, nine years, and seven eight seasons, seven point five seasons, whatever it is, um, was total. Um, you know, so I'm looking forward to the next thing. This um, thing I'm doing on Netflix about white refugees. Um, <laughs> We're, From a uh, female perspective, we're looking. We're looking for a writer. Um, I want to be attached. It should be fun. So, fingers crossed, <laughs> you guys. Just tell them about my mic handling, and that'll be the selling point. Um, speaking of which, like, so we're. I, I had heard that you were you were up for. <laughs> this is what it's like when you're still trying to break in as a small fry. You don't miss that time. Um, <laughs> Well, that's actually a good transition to... So, Mercedes. Uh, you do the voice for Mercedes. Do you drive a Mercedes? Like, how important is it that you actually use the products? In this case, it's incredibly important. <laughs> <laughs> like, super important. I'm not, I haven't seen you in a Mercedes. You haven't been looking. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Uh... I demand a Mercedes taxi cab when I'm in New York City. Mercedes Uber. Uh, no, no, no. It's uh, I, d I do. I, a part of my part of my uh, uh, arrangement with uh, the good people at Mercedes Benz North America is that I <laughs> I do get the use of one of their products um, at all times. Wherever I happen to be, if it's Are in you North serious? America. Sure. Do they pay for gas too? No. No. <laughs> Just living vicariously through all this driving. It's nice. <laughs> it yeah. sounds nice. No, it's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm... You all should buy Mercedes Benzes, by the way. <laughs> They're great cars. If you haven't heard me talk about them, I strongly suggest you <laughs> listen in. One of a great way to be able to afford them is to be in their commercials. Yes, you should also <laughs> get a voiceover deal to sell them, uh, because then you can buy as many as you want. Um, I had heard that when you were auditioning for Mad Men, you were also auditioning for 30 Rock. Was that true? Um, kind of. I had read the pilot. Of Is the table clean enough Rock. for you? <laughs> Do you feel? Like, what, tell, tell us about your experience with Lint. Um, I had read the pilot of 30 Rock and thought it was very, very funny because it was. And uh, I was like, man, this part would be great, but they should probably cast Alec Baldwin. Um, <laughs> And so I went in and I you auditioned for it. And I was like, you guys should cast, you're going to cast Alec Baldwin in this, right? Like, why am I even doing here? And th they were like, yeah, well, you know, you never know, but <laughs> wink, wink, doopy doop doop. And I'm like, right, but you're going to cast Alec Baldwin. And it's kind of a waste of my time. And I, I mean, I like Burbank and all, but like, this is kind of dumb. And no, 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 you were great, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Okay, well, that's nice, but you're going to cast Alec Baldwin. And they did. Um, and uh, he was super good in it. And, uh, but I got to go and be in it anyways, which was fun. I loved the bubble episode. Hmm. Um, and I know like, if you live in the bubble, you can't really talk about what it's like to live in a bubble. Um, you can't really ask like, the boy in the bubble. Remember when we were growing up, there was a boy who actually lived I in a bubble? I believe that was John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> who now is in a different kind of bubble. <laughs> Titus can inform us about that bubble better. Um, uh, yeah, I was, I, I rem I've had, subsequently to that arc, 
uh, on that show, which went on way too long uh, in, in, in every way, kind of like at a certain point, I believe I was sort of, f my character was sort of functionally developmentally disabled at a certain yes. point. Like, no, you couldn't do anything. I, I was like, I, I, when I started this arc, I had a daughter and was a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now I'm, uh, I'm, uh, developmentally delayed. Playing, uh, yes, I'm, I'm blowing my hands off and replacing them with pirate hooks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and then, and then, I, at a certain point during one of the live shows, two seasons after uh, after I uh, had started the show, uh, they they said, "Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna fix the the hooks." And I was like, "Awesome!" <laughs> Not only were they crazy sharp, by the way, and at a certain point, I had to like 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 caress Tina's face and I'm oh, like with them? you famously have a giant scar on your face do you really want me to put this huge sharp hook next to your face like I don't an earthquake anything a trip a thing and she's like no 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 you'll be fine uh, just don't don't cut my face that would be not but great I said okay I won't but so they, they said we're gonna get rid of the hooks and I said great that's how I don't understand how uh, they said, oh, no, no, we're going to give you a, a hand transplant, but only on one hand. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to shave my hand, which is weird, and it takes a, is, lo wait, a long, long time to grow back. No, they just oh, no, kind of shaved it. And oh, it's yeah, like half and half now. Yeah, it's terrible. It's like hairless, and then well, it has hair on the sides. Yeah, I don't know what to say. It's, it was weird, and it was, uh, apparently it was meant to be like a lady hand. Your cuticles look great, though. Thank you. Um, this has been hand talk with Katie and John. <laughs> um, this is going to sound maybe odd, but everyone comments on how attractive you are. It's often unsolicited. I don't think everyone does. <laughs> does it, this may be from too much from a female perspective, but does it ever feel like you're only valued for that? Like, did you ever go through a place where you're like, I hope they value me for my intelligence, or is that just something that women... Um... Okay. <laughs> there is so no way to answer this without coming across like a giant dick. Um, I can't... That's another one that they... Um... <laughs> I have had, I've actually had an odd experience in the last sort of year of my life uh, where I've been at sort of weirdly fancy dinner parties. Like one of those things where... It sounds like a barking the, dog. A tiny dog <laughs> barks. Um, <laughs> I love dinner parties. Uh, where, where the conversation, it was like a lot of like, uh, just like fancy people, like people that seem to have, that are in the know and the, like, you know, that are you can name super names. wealthy. Uh, like Warren Buffett. Ki kind of, like one step down. Bill Gates. Um, Michael Bloomberg. Uh, yeah, yeah, those types of people, not those, those specific two? people. Oh, okay. But no. Uh, where, where the conversation, that sort of dinner conversation was sort of turning to the election, this and that, whatever, and... And one of the people that was very, very fancy and wealthy said to me, like, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know you were smart. 
And I was like, oh, that's the weirdest compliment I've ever gotten. Right, right. I, I deal <laughs> with that all the time. Yeah, I know. And I don't think I said anything particularly smart. I just kind of, I, he, was, he was so mad. Right, right. No, because they don't think you, there was, I'm, I remember there was a comedian I work with where he insisted if any woman was... it was, Michael Bloomberg? Was it Warren Buffett? He can actually be funny, Bloomberg. I don't think Buffett is particularly like a ham... You never know. Sandwich kind of guy. Let's bring him out. Warren? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, but you don't ever feel like you're getting sexually harassed or anything like that? Not now. Okay. I mean, not right now. Okay. (laughs) I mean, not yet. Okay. (laughs) I know. We've got time. We've got time. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about, um, if that's what you like, you know. Um, but no, I wanted to talk about comedy because it's, it's something that you're obviously love to do, are very good at. Um, and I wanted to show a clip from Children's Hospital because Christopher Johnson, who I love, has oh, yeah. been on the show, um, wanted to show a clip. I think he wrote, that, um, wrote this episode. And this episode, um, so now you, just to explain to people who have not seen Children's Hospital, it is a wonderful institution to send your children um, if you haven't. <laughs> And your character was like Malin Ackerman, and then you. This is another character that I played that has an impossibly weird but this history. Is the that somehow, son. yeah. This is the. Episode. I play like three people. Oh, sorry. This is that the... are related. I don't know. They just keep bringing me back and like twisting You'll tell me us into some after the clip. Yes, yes, yes. Because okay, I don't know good. what we're looking at. My father's old operating theater. I used to play it on here by myself for hours on end. You don't have any friends? No. Well, one. An old vagrant named Todd who used to live down here. He taught me how to masturbate right there. (gasps) Look! Father. Oh, you let me know if you need a tissue made out of boobs, okay? Father. Oh, come blow your nose on my titties. Oh. 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 Skin is so soft. The woman has to shave. Yeah. Oh. What are you doing with her fingers? I want to wear you like a muppet. Oscar the Grouch. Yeah. Ooh, there's plenty of room in my filthy garbage can. Yeah. Oh my God. That's it. I've got it. Seriously, what did I leave in there? Your father in the film, he didn't say in the bowels of children's hospital. He said in the bowels of children's. That cure is somewhere up inside your dead dad's butt. Mr. John Hamm, everyone. Thank you. Um, John, I wanted to g- give you a, um, a couple of gifts. I know you're newly single, so I got She Comes First. Um, it's a great Ooh. book uh, if you want to, you know, just brush up, you know. And it's got a vagina-shaped fruit on front. Yep. Was that a papaya? That's a papaya. That is. I get it. Um, <laughs> and um, I got you, um, Bobby Cannavale said that he plays poker with you. Yes. And that he always calls you goat after madman. Yeah. Um, so we got you um, Billy Goat's Gruff. Yeah. It's a um, great story about not crossing bridges. <laughs> um, and, I, and there's also a, a book about um, sports from someone else from St. Louis the, on the origin of sports. <laughs> Gary Velsky, some wonderful Russ and Daughter Streets, and nothing will help you pick up women more than a um, Park Slope co-op Oh, snorp. To uh, take it around in. John Hamm, you are a phenomenal actor and a wonderful treat. Thank you so much for joining us. You. And you'll come back at the end. You can't touch this. <laughs> can't touch this. 
thank you for tuning in. Wasn't he fun? Yeah. I want to thank Russ and Daughters, FCTRY, and Brain Pickings. And I want to thank all of you for listening and coming out. If you want to make sure you actually get to come to this live show, we had a 75-person <laughs> wait list. Um, sign up. Go to employeeofthemonthshow.com. I rarely send out emails and usually um, send them out without typos. So that's a bonus as well. Otherwise, enjoy your summer. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>